Religious devils were scared to death. They were running with their tail tucked between their legs. And some of you were wishing you were running with them. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's alive. He's alive. We say, come on, come on, let's bless him. Let's praise his name. Why? Because he bought us. I'm telling you. <laughs> He's worthy, worthy, worthy. Man, I'm, I just know what the Lord is trying to do is, is shatter a religious mindset in us so we can really be open to who He is. He's not, he's not just jumping and screaming and, and all of that. That's not just who He is. But when you are in Him, you're free. And what others around you think, that's why David was declared a man after God's own heart because he was so free. He could dance openly before the Lord when others thought he was a fool. Even those closest to him thought he was a fool. <laughs> but you know what? It didn't move him. Right? It didn't move him. That's the place that we've got to be. That's, the, that's where they were <clears throat> on the day of Pentecost. And you wonder, why were, what went on today? What was all that? Why did we get quiet? Why did we just sit there? Why didn't you stand up sooner? You freaked me out. Just trying to hit them all. Because I'm convinced that so many times, see, it's in that quiet, it's in that stillness when we want to hear what the Lord is saying, that we can just run right past Him because it's not comfortable. We can run right past Him because we don't understand what's going on. We, we've got to learn to know when He's here. And you know what? He's here. It doesn't always look the same. When we feel like, well, when God shows up, it feels this way. I get this goosebump or I get that. That doesn't always happen that way. We've got to be sensitive to know when He's here. And sometimes he's here just in the quiet. Sometimes he's here just in the stillness so we can hear from him. We get so caught up. We are creatures of habit, and we want things to be the same. And we can get religious in not being religious. Huh. Amen. I'm telling you. I shared last week in Acts chapter 2. It's no coincidence to me that I think Jesus just said, go wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes, and he didn't tell them what that was going to look like. So that when he came, he wouldn't have a, there wouldn't be a box that constrained what he looked like when he came. Can I tell you something? Hebrews 13.8 says that he's the same. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So what does that mean? That means when he comes, it doesn't always look the same. You can miss it just because you're looking for it to be something else. You can miss it just because you're expecting it to come a certain way. You're expecting an emotion or something like that. And sometimes it, it's just totally contrary to what you're expecting. So what does that mean? That means we've got to be sensitive to him. We've got to know his voice, not a movement. That's a good word for somebody right there. We've got to know his voice, not a feeling. Does he give feelings? Absolutely. Should we be scared of feelings? Absolutely not. But what we should be sensitive to is his voice. We should be sensitive to his leading. 
his directing because he will always lead us into life. You know what? It might feel like death, and sometimes it is because what he's doing is cutting things off that's been sucking the life out of you. Sometimes there are attachments. Sometimes there are uh, things that we're holding on to that are literally draining us of life. And the Lord, in his love and his mercy, will highlight that thing so that he can cut it off. That's not one of them shouting points, is it? But it's truth because he's desiring us to, to be drawn in closer to him so more of him can be seen in and through us. He has so much more for us. And when we are sensitive to say, Lord, I want what you want, not what I'm familiar with. And he cares so much about the one, not just the crowd. But I want you to understand, in this place today, you're the one that he's concerned with. You're the one that he laid his life down for. Not just the guy across the room or not just the the lady down the road. You're the one. Just meditate on that for a moment. I'm the one he hung on the cross for. Just close your eyes again. I want you to I want you to personalize that. I want you in your heart, I don't care if it's audible or not, but in your heart, I want you to see yourself as the one that Jesus had in his eye when he was hanging there on the cross. It was for your sin. It was for your failure. Your mistakes, your hurts, your pains, physically, emotionally, Jesus carried them there on the cross so that you don't have to carry them any longer. It doesn't matter what someone said to you. It doesn't matter what someone did to you. Jesus bore that on the cross. He bore that for them, whether it was willfully, willfully or ignorantly that they hurt you. Jesus paid for it on the cross. And for you to hang on to it is to take it from what, the, what he paid for. He has deliverance for us today, right here, right now. You don't have to foam at the mouth and flop on the floor. Right here, right now. If you receive, it's a gift. <clears throat> and it's wrapped beautifully in the person of Jesus. And he said, if, you can, if you'll receive me, if you'll let go and just grab hold of me, let go of everything that's held you down, let go of everything that's held you back, <clears throat> those lies of the enemy, those regrets of the past, let them all go and grab hold of me right now. There's freedom in this place. There's deliverance in this place right here, right now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I don't want anyone looking around. You would be honest and you would say, there are things in my past that I feel have held me back and held me down. At times, they feel like they're just choking me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray over you. That's you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Thank you. 
right now, in the name of Jesus, we break the authority of that lie and we expose it with the truth that Jesus bore it on the cross, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. God, I thank you that you don't see us from our past. When Jesus died for us, everything that we would ever do was in the future at his point of death. But he paid for it once for all. And the penalty of it, he paid for. The wrath of God was poured out on him. So much so that at noonday, everything went dark because sin was paid for at the cross. So God, right now, we just declare the lie of the enemy is exposed. They're not bound by that sin. That The grace of God has set them free. God's free gift. His unmerited favor has set them free. So the pain of that, right now, we command that pain, that biting, that stinging, that burning, that hurting to go in Jesus' name. We declare you free. Grab hold of it. Just grab. If it was right in front of you, you'd grab it with both hands. Grab hold of it and say, that's mine today. That's mine today. No going back will not be the same ever again. Today, I make a quality decision that I let the past be the past. I cannot grab hold of my future while holding on to my past. So today, I let go of the past and embrace and grab hold with all I have, the future that God has for me, where he said, I know the plans that I have for you, to prosper you, to bless you, to give you an expected end. So right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that the past is shattered. The anointing destroys that yoke, and it's shattered into little pieces. It can't be swept up and carried and cuddled any longer. It's broken and destroyed in Jesus' name. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Yes, yes, and amen to your word, Lord. Yes, and amen to your will, Father. Ha. Shabababreathapso. Wow, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Mm. This is the day that you have made, Lord. We rejoice and we are glad in it. <laughs> we rejoice and we are glad in it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> ah. Yes. Mm. And the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Head on on the bottom. <clears throat> my people, my people. Hmm. I told you if you draw near to me, I'll draw nigh to you. Yeah. Today I'm calling each one of you by name. Yeah. I have put inside each one of you a purpose and a plan. Will you answer me today? Amen. Will you answer me today? I've called each one of you by name. Don't look to your left. Oh, you're right. Look to me. What is your answer today? Thank you. Amen. That just confirms what I was going to do. I uh, just really been... Last week we talked about, in Acts chapter 2, we talked about um, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And when he came, 
they, it, he, they were in the upper room. They were, it was, they were having a prayer meeting. And they were praying and they were waiting for him. Because he had said, wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. They were waiting for him. Didn't know what that looked like. But they were there waiting, anticipating the pouring out of the spirit which he had promised would come. And as, as, as they were there in the upper room, he came as a mighty rushing wind. And when he came, he didn't just come to blow the curtains. He came to manifest who he is, the breath of God. <laughs> the breath of God. That's what he was in creation when Adam was formed from the dirt. And, and God got down nose to nose, mouth to mouth, eye to eye with him and breathed into him. The breath of life. I just really believe there's people in here today, you just feel like you got the wind knocked out of you. I don't know how many have ever played in sports. Uh, and it, it doesn't have to be football. It can be anything. If you've ever had the wind knocked out of you, that's a terrifying feeling. I don't care. You can think you're all that in a bag of chips. And you can be the biggest and the baddest. But when the wind gets knocked out of you, all you want is air. You don't care if you scored a touchdown. You don't care if you made the shot. You don't care about anything but air inside these lungs that are flat right now. That's all you care about. You feel the, everything around you disappears. You ever been there? Everything around you disappears. You're not concerned about where you're, where you're going other than getting your breath. And I believe there are people in the room today that you feel like the enemy's just knocked the breath out of you. And you said, if I can just catch my breath. Well, I want you to know, He, the, the wind of God, Holy Spirit, is blowing on you today. And He's saying, just breathe in deep. Just draw in deep. Just, draw, just do that. We're going we're to do a lot of prophetic acts in this place today. So just in through the nose. You get a deep breath, in through the nose, out through the mouth. So just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> In through the nose. Out through the mouth. Some of you just filled up a part of your lung that hadn't been filled up in months. You're going to be more healthy if nothing else when you leave today. Your lungs, you're going to go, dang, there's a part of lung that just popped open down there. But I'm telling you, it's more than that. Faith, I've said this many times before, is not merely a belief, it's an action. By faith, you go to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, by faith, by faith. And followed by every one of the by faiths is what? An action. James, James is not a contradiction to Ephesians, where Ephesians talks about everything that we have is through, through grace, by faith, it's not of works. It's not where he said, if any man preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. Again, I tell you, if he preaches any other gospel. Why was Paul so adamant about that? Because in that day, the gospel that was being preached is you've got to live up to this standard before God can love you. Well, not just love you. He, they knew God. Well, I don't even know if they knew God loved them. They knew God tolerated them enough not to squish them like a bug. That was their perspective. And, and in the New Covenant... Something that shifted that God, they weren't trying to work to God. They were working from relationship with God. Are you with me? So everything changed in that new covenant where God says, I want you to see that you're not working from a position to me. You're uh, not working to get a position. You're working from a position. You're not having to uh, be good enough. My son was enough. And Paul was adamant about it. It's not by works. It's, it's a free gift of God. But in James, what he did say is this. If you have faith, it'll have manifestation. 
right? If you, if you have faith, there, are, there is, let me say it this way, there is fruit to your faith. It's not what you produce, it's what he produced in us. As we believe and we partner with it, there's an action that comes out of that. There's a fruit that comes out of that. There's a freedom that comes from that. If, listen, if the spirit of the living God lives in us, there ought to be some freedom. Because <laughs> he can't be bound. He can't be defeated or destroyed. And if he lives in us, then there should be some freedom in us. Right? There should be some fruit of that freedom. There should be love. There should be joy. There should be, you know, as I look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I was going to go there, and I may touch, I don't know. I Really, here's what we're going to do some of today. We're going to pray for people today. We're going to pray for people. We're going to activate gifts. As I was praying, I said, all right, Lord, what are you wanting us to do? What are you saying? And this week as I've been studying, one of the things, when you look in Acts chapter 2, where we just were last week, in Acts chapter 2, we see that the Spirit of God came. They were sitting in the room. When the Spirit of God came, they went out, right? And everybody thought they were drunk, right? Acts chapter 2, it's in your Bible, I promise. Not just mine, it's in yours. And when you read that, you see that they went out. And as they went out, they thought they were drunk. They were speaking in tongues. And people were going, what the world is all this going on? Peter, the man who denied Jesus three times. Listen to me. This is for somebody. If Peter had been caught up and hung up on his past and his mistakes, he'd have never stood up. Because he would have just, all he'd have been reveling in is how unworthy he was. But that's not what he did. Peter knew what had been said about him. That The, the Lord told him, said, when you repent... You're going to restore and you're going to strengthen the brethren. And that's what he did. Peter wasn't consumed with his past. And had he been, it would have hindered his destiny. Man, the Lord won't let me get past that. There's so many who can't get past their past and you can't reach your destiny when you live in the past. No matter how much you meditate, no matter how much you dwell on it, you cannot change your past. But if you dwell on it, and if you meditate on it, it will change your future. Peter stood and he proclaimed boldly about what was going on. And it wasn't just in Acts chapter 2, and we saw last week that he didn't just preach with a few words. He preached with a lot of words. That's godly. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. Thank you, Jeff. <clears throat> in verse 40 of Acts chapter 2, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be, be, be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41. The, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Did it stop there? No. You know, it's so cool on the... The first Pentecost, at, when they came out of Egypt, the first Pentecost, it was at Mount Sinai. The law was given and 3,000 people died. But here, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given and 3,000 people got saved. I don't think that's coincidental. When the law was given, there was death. When grace was given, there was life. They were born again. But here's what's so cool. It didn't stop there. There's another verse, 42. Now, how many of you know when... When the Bible was written, they didn't write it in chapter and verse. You know, when Acts was written, it wasn't, Luke didn't go, okay, now verse 42. 
uh, the translators did that, so it would be easy for us to track and, and locate certain truths and things like that. But verse 42, continuing, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were gathered were together and had all things common huh, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among, among all as anyone had need. So continually, daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Listen, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were, getting, who were being saved. What happened? These people, there was a huge outpouring. That, that's an event, right? There was a huge outpouring. There was an event. But from that event, they went into community. From that event, they went into community where they started doing life together. And I want you to know that real life in him is only done in community. It's not done, uh, it's not done independent of one another. That's why throughout the script, I mean, look in the very beginning. This week I've been, he's had community in my heart, and he's been just dealing with me about community, about who are we in community with. And he took me back in the beginning. <clears throat> When he created them, he created them a family. He told Adam, it's not good that he's alone. Why? Because he needed community. Right? I mean, who's the father of uh, faith according to Romans 4? Who does the Bible talk about as the father of faith? Abraham. I don't want to confuse anybody. Abraham, the father of our faith, because Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. So he's called the father. Well, what does father intimate? What does father scream? Family. Not independent distributors of grace, but family. Why? Because we are created to be community together. I'll take it one further than that. Family's good, but you know, even in family, you can have disagreements. And even in family, you don't always act like family. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. But in family, you can disagree with what somebody said. Well, they hurt my feelings. They shouldn't have said that. Well, I'm just not going to call them anymore. Shandai, I'll talk in tongues and pray in the Holy Ghost and go lay hands on the sick, and you can do all that. That's why it's so important that 1 Corinthians 12, what immediately follows it is 13. Because 13 talks about the love. And it said that I ain't have the, the voice of angels, but if I don't have love, I'm just making a lot of noise. I'm just making a lot of noise. <clears throat> I don't know why I got over there. I was talking about Acts chapter 2, wasn't I? Where did I go? Somebody been making some noise. <laughs> the Lord wanted to know it's about love. It's not just about the gifts. It's about love, that we would walk in that love. It's a family. It's not just about a family. Thank you, Jesus. He takes it further than just being about family, and he calls us a body. Now, you know, there are times that your body don't always get along. There are times that members in your body don't always act like you want them to act. You don't believe it. Just come up here one by one. Let me stomp your toe. I'll, the big one or the little one, I don't care. You pick. I'll stomp. You pick. I promise you, that little toe 
is not going to be your best friend at that moment. But you know what? It's attached. And how you care for it, come on. Listen, there are those in the body that feel like that little toad that got stomped. He's preaching now. But how you care for it determines how fast and how well it recovers. Oh, man. How it recovers. And that's, he said, do good to all, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do good to all. It's not questionable, should we be good to people? Absolutely. But he said, especially those who were in your body. Because every joint supplies, Ephesians 4. Every joint supplies. Every person is important. Well, how do we know how important those people are? We're in community. Have you ever noticed how, in, especially even in marriage, have you ever noticed how that, you know, they say opposites attract? You ever, you ever wondered why that is? Because if we were totally honest and just naked before the Lord and everybody around us, we couldn't tolerate living with somebody just like us. Somebody would die. Somebody would die if we lived with somebody just like us. Because in those moments when you feel like you're right and you've got a right to be right, if this person that you're with is just like you, guess what they're going to feel? Somebody's going to die. It's like the old preacher said, the I do is the easy part. It's the two becoming one that'll kill you. (laughs) But God has put different parts in the body so that we'll understand our need of one another. And we we could go through 1 Corinthians and we can look at the gifts and we can see the different gifts. And he, he gave all these gifts that function in the body. We can look in Ephesians, and he talks about the gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He talks about these gifts and the importance of these gifts in the body, that one doesn't function in all of them because then there wouldn't be a need for the other. He's very uh, specific about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go to verse 13. For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So, he said, I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care the, your race. That is irrelevant to me. He said, every one of us, through Jesus, have been baptized into one body. So the things that we get hung up on, even right now in our culture, the thing we get hung up on, the color of skin and uh, What's going on in, dare I say, Ferguson? What we've done is the enemy's doing the same thing. He's looking at color. Why? Because he wants to divide. He wants to divide, and he'll use the same thing he's been using from the beginning. You think it's a coincidence that Paul, from the beginning, right here, he says, look, it's for one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. And we don't really, we don't, we don't understand prejudice as much as they had it in this culture. We've experienced it, but to the height that it was right here, when this letter was written, was intense. 
And he said, I want you to know, I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care what, you came, what background you came from. I don't care about your socioeconomic standing. I don't care how much money you have. All that's irrelevant. When you come to Christ, you're one. You're one. And you're one in him. Then he goes on to say, For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And the foot, if the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. It is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the hear, where would be the hearing? If the whole were uh, hearing, where would be the smelling? See, he says, I want you to see. <laughs> Do you ever think about what was really going through his mind when he said this? <laughs> Do you ever think about what he was dealing with? I mean, really, this is the Corinthian church. If you look at this church, this is a church who had all the gifts operating in them, but they were carnal. They weren't just sleeping around. They were sleeping with family members. And they were flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. That'll mess with your works theology, won't it? Why? Because God, greasy grace, God doesn't care about sin? No, because Romans says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That God had poured His Spirit out. They had received that Spirit, but they were still caught up in their carnal way of living. And they were... They were pushing each other away, just like we see in the church today. Well, if you don't go to our church, then you're not right. We're the only one that's right. Everybody else is just trying. You don't look like we do. You don't dress like we do. You don't talk like we do. He dealt with that straight head on. He said, we're a body, and it takes every one of us to do what the Lord's called us to do. So how do we do that? We live in community. See, here's the thing. My hand, they work like they're supposed to. But if I cut it off and set it on the shelf because I don't want to hurt, I don't want to jam my thumb anymore, I just cut it off from life. And it's going to die. And it's not going to profit me anything. I can pickle it. I can hold on to it so that it looks pretty because I'm scared that I might, you know, if I keep using it, I might break a fingernail or something like that. But once it's severed from its life source, is no more profit. Paul wanted us to understand that we're so quick to sever our members. When he said it takes every one of us, that's why he gave the gifts to the body so that we would function as a body, not that one person. Jesus embodied the gifts of the Spirit because he was the sinless Son of God. And he said, I now am the head and you're the body. And what's so cool about that? He says, Satan's under your feet. So when we function as a body, it's even cool to be the little toe. Because <laughs> you're still in the body, the body that's reigning, the body that's in victory. You're in that body. And even if you're the little toe that gets covered up by the sock that stinks at the end of the day, Satan is under you. He's under you. And you have to understand that. You have to understand that. So, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to quit preaching today. Let me clarify that. I'm not done with preaching, teaching. You know, we do so much, and we, I believe we uh, create a culture of shame. 
even in the church. And I even, and that wasn't my intention, but I participated in, in, in that this morning. When I say, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Now, if you feel this way, raise your hand. So what I'm projecting is shame. Because I'm saying, you shouldn't let anybody see what you're doing. I don't want anybody looking around because I don't want them to see what you're dealing with. But here, here, I think we've hidden in shame so long that the enemy's kept us bound. And he's a lie and the father of all lies. And he's defeated in this house today. We will not function and operate in shame. We're not going to project it. We're not going to have anything to do with it. So here's what I want you to know. I don't care what you're carrying. You can be free today if you so choose. I also know this. I can't want it for you more than you want it for yourself. You've got to be willing to want it. Now, here's what I know. As, as I was praying this week and preparing, and then this morning, <clears throat> uh, I watched Bill Johnson and y'all came this close to watching Bill Johnson this morning. I mean, it was like a gnat's hair of watching Bill Johnson this morning because he talks in Psalm 91, and what he's preaching about is the one, ministering to the one. And I just wrote an email about that. I'm glad I wrote my email before Bill preached his message. I think he read my email. I think someone forwarded my email to Bill, and he said, that's a good word. I have to, write, I have to preach on Psalm 91 about the one. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. It'll never get to Bill, so I ain't worried about it. But he talked about the one, about ministering to the one. And here's the reality. This room is, we're one body, but we're full of individual members. And what I'm saying is I know that there are members in our community that are hurting. And I know that you don't have to leave today the way that you came. But you've got to be willing and you've got to want it. So, Mel, whatever you want to play and, and prophetically sing over as we minister. You're going to release some stuff. I, I'm, I believe that even in, in, in worship this morning, there was some healing that took place. There was healing that took place. It may, you may have felt awkward and didn't realize it, but I just, I'd encourage you to check your body. If you had something that was hurting when you came in, see if it's still there. I think we can take care of a lot of stuff without having to have hands laid on us if we'll just t- tune in to Him. Let Him touch us, and we're touched. Amen? So there, I believe that in worship, you may not even have been the one that was jumping, dancing, and shouting. That's how good he is. You understand? That's just how good he is. We can get in his presence, and there can be those that are worse. And the presence of the Lord will come down in such a way as you weren't even trying to get healed and got healed. You weren't even trying. You might have come in mad, and he still touched you. And you might have been scared, and he still touched you. Because it's not based on us. It's based on him. But our response does have a lot to do with it. So I'm just going to say it. I think that there are those here that even this morning we prayed over your past, there are those that go, man, I just need to hear what the Lord has to say about me. I am not what you, I'm going to put a disclaimer on it right now. Never, never direct your life off of a prophetic word. Let it be an affirmation to what God's already spoken in your heart. Don't come get a word so you'll know where you're going. It's not because I don't trust these given the word, but here's what I know. His spirit, the one that's, operates inside of the prophetic gift is the one who will be speaking to your heart and draw. And what they'll speak to is what it may be so deep down inside of there that you're like, man, I, I'd forgotten that. And they may call it out. So don't direct your life on a word, but you say, man, I would love to have an encouraging word today. I'd love to have someone just speak 
life over me and what the Lord has to say for me today. If you're here and you've got something physically going on with you, then we want to pray for you. We want to pray and just see God set you free. You said, man, this is just awkward. Good. Good, 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 good. But what I'm trying to do is see what kind of wineskin you have. <laughs> if it's hard and brittle and fixed, it needs to be broken. If, this, if it's soft and pliable, there's room for more. <laughs> Amen. strong 